Hello and welcome to this week's Her Moment in History. I'm Grace. I'm Michelle. And this week we are doing photographers. Yes, which I think was yeah. mean of me. I'm sorry. It was, I I just found it very difficult to do. I, I kind of knew I would when you suggested the theme and I was like, oh, I actually don't know even any male photographers. So I, I oh. didn't think that I was going to find it difficult. But considering you have been waiting long enough, I shall let you go first. Uh, and who have you got this week? Do you know who I've got? I don't know. I might have come across them and doing research. Because there was one particular I know... female photographer who is very, very famous. Oh, it's not Annie Leibovitz. Oh, then, no, I don't know. No, it's... I talked to, to you about this person a lot, though. It's she's called Henrietta Theodora Markovich, also known right. as Dora Mar. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The name rings a bell, but go on, explain about her. Okay, so she was born on the twenty second of November, nineteen oh seven. Nineteen oh seven. Yep. Yep. So, doing the research for this has been like absolutely driving me insane. Because she's best known as Picasso's muse and lover. Right. Right, so nothing exists where she is not in any way where Picasso is the bigger thing. She's always under him. And it drives me insane because she's such a good artist. And, like, she was a photographer and a painter and a poet. And it just... It kills me because... I've been reading, like, so many articles for this research, and none of them are consistent. The, like, everything is just, all the facts are about her relationship with Picasso, and, like, I got so frustrated, so I'm probably going to get frustrated through this whole thing. I say, I feel like I need to give you, like, a moment's breathe. Like, honestly, (laughs) calm. (laughs) It's fine. This is her platform. Like, yes, this is... Picasso in relation to her, rather than the other way around. Yes. So I'm not going to talk about him that much. He does come up a little bit, but that's unavoidable. Uh, Yeah. So, she is the only daughter of Joseph Markovich, who was a Mm -hmm. Croatian architect. And her mother was French, and a Catholic, called Louise Julie Voisin. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in 1910, the whole family left for Buenos Aires in Argentina. God, that's a lot of different, like, (laughs) languages involved there. Yeah, because her dad had got commissioned from the Austria-Hungary embassy to, to build some architectural stuff. Yeah, I don't know how it worked. That's what happened. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, the, her father's achievements earned him and the honour of being decorated by Emperor Francis Joseph I. Whoa. And even though he was, this is in quotes, the only architect who did not make a fortune in Buenos Aires. I feel like this the is... The only architect. I feel there's a few more. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Somewhere out there. There's that, that, that probably, like, architect in Buenos Aires listening going... Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so, the the family returned to France uh, in 1926. 
Tate went to Paris specifically. Mm -hmm. And so she started taking courses at the Central Union of Decorative Arts and the School of Photography. Okay. And she she was enrolled at the École des Beaux-Arts, lots of French words, and the Academy Julian. Which... Right, I'm going to just nod and pretend I understand all those words. Yep, me too. <laughs> and it says that one of the advantages of offering instruction to women and men. Oh, wow, that really sets them apart, doesn't it? In no. My goodness. <laughs> so she often went to, I'm going to get this name so wrong, Andre Lotz workshop who was a cubist painter Mm -hmm. and then she also met henry cartier bresson who was a famous photographer at the time um and so she 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 knew a lot of people basically in the french circles yes she's good at that so in the late (laughs) 1920s she shortened her name to Dora Ma Mm -hmm. and then chose to focus on her photography work which at this point was starting to get some recognition which is going to annoy me when because there's an article later on that drives me insane that says that she only come to fame when Picasso allowed her to that's and the worst thing Why? was, this come from a magazine that is centred on celebrating female artists. What? Also, and I'm not going to name. That? Apparently, I think that's what it. Because it says you can subscribe, and it looked like a magazine kind of thing. Um, okay. But but it and it was it said it was for just like women artists. And the fact that they wrote all of this, it would just... Mm. No. I was getting so annoyed. It was making me so yeah. sad. <laughs> so while she was studying at one of the schools, she met uh, Jacqueline Lambert, which mm-hmm. she is a... She will become a surrealist, but not when she knew her. So Andre Breton was the head of the surrealist group. And um, Dora Ma, I think, was going to the Surrealist events at this cafe. And so she okay. took Jacqueline to the cafe, and that's where she met Andre Breton, who then she married. Right. Okay, cool. So she kind of, like, set them up, kind of. Mm-hmm. Third wheeling. Yep. So after the workshops had finished, she she left Paris on her own, for Barcelona and London, where she she okay. was going to photograph the effects of the economic depression following the Wall Street crash, mm-hmm. which is a very weird thing to think. I am going to up and go to take some pictures of sad people. I mean, I feel like a lot of people do that. To be fair, I mean, yeah, but still. So she took like a lot of photos of like urban views, like shop windows and people and. All wonderful stuff. Just sad people. Yep. Yeah. Because everyone was sad then. (laughs) (laughs) 
So when she got back, she, I, she did, she collaborated with Pierre Keffer and they did like the illustration of the art historian Germaine Bazin's book, Le Mont Saint-Michel in 1935. Okay. Uh, and then she shared a studio with Borazai, who is a, I think a fellow photographer. Basically, there's loads of like name dropping, but if you don't know who the people are, then I say yeah. It's kind you of them as though you're like expecting me to like <laughs> be able to go. Oh wow! But I, I genuinely like art. I'm very very little. I think all the art knowledge I have has been exhausted thus far in the podcast. <laughs> there is nothing more. <laughs> yeah, I forget how much I know about the surrealist sometimes. Yeah. Basically, she just she's sharing a studio with this other surrealists. Okay. Um, and then lots of important people. Yeah, and one of them was her mentor. And do you know who Man Ray is? No. Oh, he was also a surrealist photographer. Um, and a lot of her stuff is also it's always like said to be inspired by Man Ray, but mm, I think she just stands out on her own and just it just annoys me that she's compared to people all the time. Yeah, seems like she's always lumped in with, yeah, other people as though to kind of, like, boost her fame. It's like, no, she was famous on her own, as you would yeah. in the photography circle. Mm-hmm. So she became the mistress of the filmmaker Louis Chavans and okay. the writer Georges Batale, Batale. Mm-hmm. Um, who she met them is a left wing activist group. I like it. She went to some of them, and she was fully involved in the surrealist group at this time. And she did a lot of portraits of the members of the surrealists. Oh, cool. I th- I feel like her maybe her photos are more well known than she is. Like, do you know the surrealist photo of? The shell and then there's like a hand coming out of it no but if you tell me what it's called i might be able to look it up well it is actually called untitled but it's it's sometimes just like called shell hand okay because i knew this and i didn't realize she did it this is my like knowledge of i've been a bit too invested in this and i forget people other people <laughs> don't know <laughs> okay yeah google is showing me nothing resembling what you've said so i'm just gonna yeah okay take your word for it i will put it on instagram cool for people and she so she did a lot of um photo montage stuff which is mm-hmm. like following the surrealist tradition like there's one where there's like an armadillo fetus and it's it's like portrayed as like a, a character it's very odd and okay fascinating and she she did a lot of stuff with like naked men and women which mm-hmm. i don't know because i feel like when you're taking pictures of naked women and it's a woman doing it it's it loses the whole like like erotic thing about it kind of thing do you know yeah i don't like, know i feel though sometimes is that a good thing if you know what i mean because if if the naked woman is the subject of something other than eroticism, 
it can only is the mm. is the photography just reduced to kind of the idea of ah well a naked woman is obviously the thing that a man is looking through a lens at I don't know it's I suppose mm. if you want to get any other view other than sexual it's lost yeah that's mm, that's true <laughs> sorry mm. okay so just to repeat again that she was already an accomplished artist. Yes, yes. <laughs> before she met Picasso, which I am going to go yeah. on to now. Even right. though... Yeah. Oh, that stupid article. Mm-mm. So there's a few, like, stories of how they actually met. Um, one, which I'm pretty sure is the, the right one, because it's more boring. She was hired to be the set photographer of Jean Jean Renoir's The Crime of Montreal Lang, his film. And then her fellow surrealist friend, Paul Eluard, introduced her to Pablo Picasso on the set. And then it it was like passion at first sight or whatever. But then there's another, which is the more like romanticised version of how they met. I thought that wasn't romanticised enough. Yeah, was that uh, Picasso noticed her playing a knife game at a cafe. So you know where you do, like, the dots in between your hands with the knife? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah. She was doing that, and apparently she was she was wearing, like, a black glove with roses on it. And then Picasso was just fascinated by her. And then afterwards he was like, can I keep your glove? covered in her blood and Uh, (laughs) he would lock it up uh, and keep it with his mementos that's uh a bit gross yeah weird yeah it is okay the more romanticized version that is then okay Mm -hmm. so she became picasso's muse Mm -hmm. and he he drew like a lot of portraits of her and sketches and they, they did collaborate on some photograms and etchings on film. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I copied what the, the article said. And it says, says Dora Maar now owes her photographic reputation for... Because uh, do you know Picasso's Guernica? Yes. Uh, it's the... Is it the Spanish Civil War that it's... Yeah. Um, like a big memorial big, thingy, yeah, yeah, um, about that. So she was taking the photos of when that was being when he was painting that. Oh, which I've literally just highlighted. Owes her photographic represent rep, reputation and put ooh. <laughs> because no, <laughs> she was already a photographer. Leave her alone. So encouraged by Picasso. She went, she, she started off painting, but then she went to photography. Mm-hmm. And so Picasso sort of said, I think you should go back to painting. And then she did. Okay. She is actually quite a talented painter, to be fair, though. Yeah, but still, but just the idea of, like... You choose your medium, I man. I think you're this. Yeah. So she, she sort of did, like, stylized portraits in a cubist style. Mm-hmm. So she did. She's done like portraits of Picasso and her friend Jacqueline 
uh, Lambo or now Breton at this point. Yeah. But like a, a lot of her sort of photography can sort of see, you can see it a little bit through the painting as well, like how it's all staged and stuff. Mm-hmm. The same article it said, by this time her fame was less a matter of her work than of her tumultuous relationship with the Spanish painter. And uh, he, like, he he kept um, depicting her as, like, a suffering woman. So she was often known as, like, the weeping woman in his paintings. And she did, like, some self-portraits of herself where she called herself the weeping woman. Which, it's fine if you call yourself that. But it's it's not if yeah, it's, you're being it's called not okay. that. yeah. And so, because he was still, I'm not sure if his, he was married to Marie-Therese Walter, or they just had a child together, but he didn't, he was still in a relationship with both of them when, when they were together, and I think she was aware of it, and... That makes it more okay, like open relationships and whatnot. Are but okay, he, as long he, as every party's aware. No, but it's Picasso, and he, he was very like emotionally and physically abusive, and he sort of yeah. made them fight for his love. Oh, yeah. And so they they were together for about nine years, and then it, it came to an end like mid forties. Um, but they saw each other like occasionally, and she played the role of fat anguish in the reading of Picasso's first play called Desire Caught by the Tail, which I didn't know. I didn't he... know he wrote a play. Me neither, but I'm guessing it didn't do very well because we've never heard of it. Yeah, playwright is not one of those words you associate with him. No. And so once they finally broke up, Paul Elward, who introduced her to Picasso in the first place, um, she introduced her to Jack Lakin. You know the the psychoanalysis. He he was very like mm, he can be like he did mirror theory. I think. Okay. You know where it's like a baby show a baby themselves in the mirror and how they perceive themselves is something significant about that. He okay. did he did that. Um, Okay, and, I mean, I didn't study it, but I, okay. I mean, me neither. But she, she kind of had a nervous breakdown when they finally ended it. And so he kind of took care of her, Lakin did. And he he gave her electric shock therapy, which at the time was illegal. Oh, even worse. Yes. But Picasso then bought her a house in Minerva's... Valcluse, where right. she she retired and lived alone. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, and then at this time she can't. She went back to Catholicism, like her mother was Catholic, um, and she um, went started to do abstract paintings, but she she never like fully went back to photography in the same way. Yeah. Which is... That's a a shame. Yeah. Because I do... Like, her paintings are good, but I think she stands out more as a photographer. 
Ah, uh, fair enough. I mean, I've, I haven't seen her work, but I don't know. I just feel a shame as well. Even just the idea of if she enjoyed it and was passionate about it, it's a shame that she just gave up one medium and never went back to it. Yeah. I think she dabbled in it a little bit, but it never went like fully, fully back to it. Yeah. And then it annoys me because most of like the rest of her life and how it's written about in all articles and stuff is mm-hmm. all like, oh, and she was very sad and depressed and a recluse because she was recovering from her time with Picasso. And like, because she did, she did have depression, which is yeah. like one of the things why Picasso said she was like the weeping woman. But still, you can be depressed, but it can have absolutely nothing to do with Picasso. And it's just like more of a romanticized notion than it is to do with Picasso. Yeah, it seems like, uh, I know when I was, years ago when I was looking into like Sylvia Plath. Mm-hmm. And like, they wanted to paint most of her mental health on Ted Hughes. Yeah, And it was like, no, though he did bad things to her, she already had, like, this existing mental condition yeah. that, she, you know, the the things would have happened, like, she would have still been depressed, regardless of whether she was with him or not, so... Mm-hmm. Um, because the first time I actually heard about her was, it was this show called Artists in Love, which I've talked mm-hmm. to you a lot about, and it... It was about their relationship in that. And then towards the end of it, she apparently said that the only reason she's not killing, going to kill herself is to... So Picasso doesn't have the satisfaction of that. That's so sad. I mean, it's good that she didn't, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But sad that that was her only reason. Yeah. Because, I mean, Picasso is... Just such a horrible person because he just kind of destroyed women's lives yeah and he just used them and abused them and all sorts and it's just that the sacrifice of like her art is potentially damaged from from that yeah and and now she can't escape his shadow and that really annoys me because I remember when I first found out about her, I I went to look if I could find a book about her and I could mm. not find a single book that had been translated in English that was her, about her and not her and Picasso. Her and him, yeah. It was always her and him. I think there was one that I found, but it was in Spanish and it was not translated. It had no plans to be translated. And, like, even now, I looked again, I still couldn't find anything. And it, it's it's so annoying because I feel like she's she's so... She's, like, worthy of being remembered. She's very talented. Like, an important part of Serena's photography. Mm-hmm. And just, she's not remembered. It's weird because, like, there's a lot of... Because it's, it's not any surprise that there are women in history who have been kind of ignored from the history books and have been stamped out and who have obviously like never had the ability to show show what they're capable of simply mm-hmm. because men haven't allowed them or men have done it so women weren't able to or kind of for that reason but it's weird that obviously like she did make art she did become famous 
and then because she met him that all of that stopped and yeah. she just then became rather than like I don't know it's weird and even it's weird by like a modern lens because obviously there's a huge kind of resurgence of people looking at these women who were overshadowed by men and trying to bring them to the light and mm-hmm. yet that she has that hasn't happened for her yet if you know what I mean no although there are good things happening which I will get on to cool. so like I would talk about like her later years but I I just don't like the narrative that it was all she was just she spent yeah the like half of her life miserable about Picasso because I don't think she was mm-hmm. I mean I can't speak for her but like I really don't think yeah like I'm sure he had like a definite significant effect on her and her, her mental health probably but not like half a dec half a century worth. And it wasn't like yeah, just pining. It just it makes it sound like some like novel. Yeah. So she kinda was a recl- a reclusive her later life. But she did like still saw her friends and she was still painting and she she did do some photography this time as well, but none of it kind of saw the light of day until she died that's so sad yeah and also she i think she was writing poetry all throughout this Mm -hmm. and then there was only one exhibition in her lifetime that saw her work as a photographer so this was in 1995 in valencia in spain whoa that's so late yeah and she died in 97. Oh, so, well, at least kind of she got to see it, I guess. Yeah. Small rewards, but yeah. I am convinced that somewhere when I was doing research, there was, she had an exhibition to, on her own in the 30s, and I now cannot find that anywhere. But I'm convinced I saw it. But I'm just going to have to let it go because... <laughs> I can't find it. Um, so they didn't... So they all kind of got sold in 99, her paintings and artworks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of them had never left her studio. And so she is mostly remembered as being Picasso's lover, which, ugh. But there's been a lot of exhibitions that see her as an artist on her own right. Mm-hmm. They can't. They start from early as like two thousand and two, and in there's one in. It's already passed now, actually, in Paris. It's the Centre Pompidou, um, which is the biggest re- retrospective in France of her work. Woo! And then also, which I am very, very, very excited about, is there's one coming to the Tate Modern in London, in November. Which is going to be the biggest ret- retrospective of her work in the UK. Oh, oh, cool. So um, yeah, I'm glad they're now like they're now doing stuff because you've been sad. Although she won't get to see it, it'd be sad if like the biggest thing was like that. I don't know what was already done, which was just her and Picasso. Yeah, and I'm really hoping because usually with exhibitions they bring out a book alongside it that. A, ah. a book comes out about her and her work alone. Yeah. And I really hope that happens. 
but I'm definitely going to the exhibition. Like, um, and just if you are aged between like 16 and 25, there's something called the Tate Collective, which instead of paying like the 13 pound to get in, it makes tickets five pound for you and it's completely free to sign up. You just have to bring your ID with you to prove your age. So tip if you want to get in cheap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm very excited about it. And um, that is Dora Ma. Oh, I think there's a lot there I didn't know. Yeah, because I didn't really... I I am guilty of kind of... I only knew her in relation to Picasso. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously then what you've said. But it, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm hoping that this, like... These new retrospectives are, are going to open up, like, the dialogue to see her as a, an artist and photographer in her own right. Because yeah. she, she deserves that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She does. Uh, um, we shall take a break and then be back. Yes. Hey, Karina, do you want to hear an interesting new fact about sloths? Impossible, Cassie. I know all there is to know about sloths. They spend their whole lives eating and sleeping, and that's living the dream in my book. I bet you don't know this fact. Fine. Surprise me. Sloths are surprisingly fast and skilled swimmers. They can move three times faster in water than they ever can on land. Suddenly, I love them even more. Where can I possibly learn more exciting and interesting facts about sloths? Well, we did do an entire episode on sloths for CritterCast. Right! CritterCast, our comedic animal-themed podcast. It's the show where we talk about all kinds of animals and why we love them. We upload new episodes twice a month on every second and fourth Sunday. Just in time for your Monday morning commute. You can find CritterCast on iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast streaming apps. Plus, check out our website, CritterCastPodcast.com, for links to all of our social media and for more fun facts and adorable photos of critters big and small. CritterCast Podcast! Hello. Welcome back. Hi. So... <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about doing mine again because I know nothing about photography, so this will sound completely uneducated. But we'll see what we get to. I recommend pulling up Google as well because there's a lot of pictures I might say to look at. Mm, I should have said that. <laughs> yeah, no, I had it up anyway, so it was fine. I did Google a few different pictures, so mm. I literally had no idea. As I say, I don't even really know many male photographers because photography isn't something I know about. I like pictures, I will say that. I like things that are filmed Mm -hmm. well, but I just don't know anything about photographers. So I did literally just do a Google search of women women in photography, and I ended up coming across um, an article by Clarissa Seabag Montfiore, I think her name is pronounced, which was about sexism in photography. Ooh, so interesting. Yeah, so I was like, okay, this will probably give me a brief idea of what I'm looking at, of kind of the years that I'm looking at in terms of was there a peak mm-hmm. of photography at some point. It didn't come up with that, but it did kind of come up with where sexism is in photography. And I thought it was going to kind of just be the usual kind of, well, women were just excluded, male photographers were just more made more money kind of thing but it's not Mm -hmm. it was kind of the industry is almost geared towards excluding men yeah excluding women what oh so there was um 
a woman called um, Sybil Malinowski, who's kind of the woman that I've done this week. And she kind of mm-hmm. uh, has given a lot then to the article about her experience within photography. Oh, cool. So a few statistics for you about photography. So mm-hmm. most undergraduate and graduate photojournalism students are women. And yet women oh. only make up 15% of entries to the World Press Photo Awards. Ugh. Yep. Uh, and under 25% of the agency represented, represented photo, photogra- ugh, photographers are women. Ugh. I feel like I need My to get God. you a little little sign that said rolls eyes because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of it. So 97% of adverts are shot by men. Of course they are. Eighty-five percent of magazine covers are two, and eighty-five percent of purchases of those adverts are by women. So it's it's an industry mm. which is kind of specifically with like marketing and magazines and whatnot. It's an industry which is literally being done for for women, but by men, which is a weird yeah. take. Mhm. It's it's making me think about I cannot remember what the short is called, but we watched it um, and it was it was a famous actress who did it and it was like she was the the maid she was bringing them like food and they were talking about the war and they were saying oh we need something to distract women so we're just gonna give them like makeup and appearances and all that stuff yes and then they're gonna do that and then they won't want to work anymore yeah. One sec, I can I can actually find the short. Okay, great. It was excellent. Yes, I found it. So it was Leslie Manville who was the actress who was in it, and the short was called Domestic Policy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's literally she's eavesdropping about how something geared towards her that she is excluded from. Yeah. Yeah. So I would also recommend that people watch that because it's very very funny by uh, Alicia McDonald. So made by women go watch it um <laughs> so yeah it's a weird kind of industry that that that's kind of been done so i found sybil uh, malowski i don't really know anything about her upbringing i don't know the year she was born her birthday or anything i probably could have found it if i'd done a lot of internet stalking but that kind of just felt wrong so i didn't <laughs> so we're just gonna leave it as i don't know but I is do she know still alive? She is, yes. Okay, okay. I do know that she was working as a photographer and well, photography assistant in two thousand and five. So she's quite. She's very very recent. Mm-hmm. So when she kind of started as a photography assistant, she was told to do like a hundred push ups a day, right? Simply to match the strength of a man because of all the like demanding work that photography like gave like lugging all the equipment back and forth and stuff and she just kind of realized that this was gonna be what the industry that she was walking into that this equipment had been made by men for men to kind of exclude women she also kind of noted that when she would turn up on the set they would automatically assume that she was the makeup artist and that the male in the room was the photographer Mm. oh (laughs) yeah yeah. Oh, I hate people. I know. It's just, I get that sometimes they're like innocent stereotypes that people don't even realise they're making. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's just really shit that these stereotypes were 
created in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But she did work for eight years um, as a uh, photographer, and in that time was gaining a lot of interest because of her use of bright, bold imagery in the fashion and music industry. Oh. And her music, uh, her music, her work was then being like featured internationally. So she very qu- well over the eight years really kind of found her feet, but then decided to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So she went back to the CSA, which I think is the Sydney College of Arts. So she's from Australia, which I probably should have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, which <laughs> where she'd been, where she studied for four, and she received an HD for her masters which she created a, uh, a project which is called Watching You, Watching You, which was mm-hmm. kind of like a series uh, which was meant to explore the relationship between a person and the image of themselves. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, so they had a lot... I think she had a lot of people looking at paintings of themselves or pictures and like photographs of themselves. And at the end, then she would actually put a two-way mirror... In between the person, the person in the camera, obviously, so that they would just be mm-hmm. looking at themselves in the mirror, but then she could kind of photograph them, and it got so like so intense that a, a person looking at themselves, that eventually they kind of disconnect from the image of themselves, so they'd have to look away because they just couldn't stand to kind of have their own reflection Whoa. back at them for a long time. Some of them would like look away because of the tears in their eyes. So yeah, that's her. That was her project. <laughs> um, at school, and then when she got pregnant, she said that she lost a lot of clients because the clients feared that she wouldn't be up for the work because of her pregnancy. She'd be too delicate. <sighs> yeah, that's why we have laws around maternity leave. <laughs> I suppose it's yeah. It's quite. I suppose it's quite nice that we have laws in place for businesses such as. It's like where I work, for example. I. The, the laws are very kind of set out you know what you're doing they can't kind of do you in any way i suppose when you're mm-hmm. like self-employed or you work in this way yeah it'd be very easy for people to just turn around and go actually i'm not gonna hire you for this photo shoot without saying why which is yeah annoying because there's no way to monitor that even though it's obviously sexism but anyway mm-hmm. so after i mean if you think about it if you get a pregnant woman, woman taking your pictures, that's two people taking one picture. That's incredible. I, <laughs> I really like that way of looking at it, but I don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Because then that child can be like, "I was involved in taking this picture." <laughs> would when that, when that kid grows up, would that be able to say like that? Would they be able to have their name on the uh, photography as well, like photographed by? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the uh, the uh, what well, you know? What's the youngest age you can receive a paycheck? Well, fetus, <laughs> pre-birth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so um, after. Uh, uh, Sybil picked up a fashion magazine which uh, which was called Women's Issue. She was like flicking mm-hmm. through and she found, I think there was like a series of pictures of pubescent girls kind of discussing mm-hmm. their experience of being a woman in kind of this time of life. And all the pictures were taken by men. Ugh. Which is Mm-mm. kind of... I mean, it makes me uncomfortable. But... I don't know. It's like, 
here's pubescent girls talking about a very specific kind of time in their life and then but the person who gets to kind of shape it and orchestra orchestrate it and and work out how it's going to be presented mm-hmm. is a man who doesn't who who wouldn't understand what they're trying to convey no. so that happened and then like in in the within the same few days Sybil acts also mm-hmm. attended um, a huge photography event and though there were 60 people there only six of them were women and of those six Ugh. women only three of them were actually photographers Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so she says that because these two things happened in such close succession, it really made her kind of assess the industry. So she got creative, mm-hmm. really. And then in the last uh, in the last few years, she created a website and platform, which is called Agenda, um, with some other photographers. Mm-hmm. And it was designed for women to share ideas um, with one another, to be able to advance their careers, because there was also people who were like putting money into the project in it as well. So women were able to oh, come wow. forward, were able to share their ideas, and people would kind of put their money towards towards them. So it's like a really good mm. networking kind of platform. They've had two Whoa. exhibitions. I know! Amazing. So they've had Amazing. two exhibitions. Uh, I assume one last oh. year, and then one this year, in the March. Mm. And so the one this year was called Balance for Better. To Mar- and it was, I think, on the same day as International Women's Day. And 50% of the profits went to the Sydney Women's Fund. Whoa. Yeah. So, fantastic stuff, I know. She didn't want the kind of, the thing that she'd been working on agenda to be like one one day a year, though. She didn't want the exhibition to kind of only be that day and then forgotten about. So she tried to create as like a continuous process, like to encourage women to encourage other women as photographers to help them be discovered and raise awareness and so Mm -hmm. the project is called a gender because the idea is creativity has no gender that is true yeah um and it's meant to as she says celebrate women um, put a mirror up to the industry itself to say look at these incredible women why are they still a minority our whole podcast (laughs) yes (laughs) honestly amazing so she wanted to so the exhibition this year she specifically put out uh like the theme that they had that the people who had their work featured had to meet was they had to come up with images that made the female gaze okay right so Mynaski herself included a picture which was called cue the first google search big sir little her as in sir is s-u-r yeah is it the little girl on the on the rock Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah, it's a naked woman amidst uh, a coastal landscape and she's dwarfed in comparison to it. Oh, well, I was looking at the wrong one, but now I see it because <laughs> it does say agenda. <laughs> yep. And then oh, that's really cool. Another photographer included uh, one that was called Grumble and Moan Winder. Oh, is it the one in in water? Yes. Oh, wow. That one's cool. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, for the listeners, so there's two, there's a woman and then girl, and they're swimming together, which is the picture. And then there was another, mm-hmm. so that one was created by Liz Ham, 
And then there was another one as well, which was featured. I think these are like the most prominent ones that gained a lot of interest. Was by Yasmin um, Satasia, I think her name was. Which was, which doesn't have a title, but it's pictures of African-American skaters in New York. So there's kind of, a lot of people kind of brought their own ideas to it, which was really nice. It wasn't just this idea of the stereotypical male gaze, but then inverted to be the female gaze, if you know what I mean. It was literally women Mm -hmm. creating what they felt this kind of female gaze was, which was really nice. This is, um, it's making me think about this photography exhibition I saw in, um, at Copenhagen. Yeah. Which, um, at first I thought it was going to be the same woman, but I don't think it is. But it was a, a, a woman, like, the picture taken a few days after they'd given birth. Oh, whoa! But not in, like, a perverse kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Just that, like, and they had, like, you know, them big pads they have to have. Yeah. Wearing them and, like, they kind of, they look all over the place. And there's nothing sexual about it, but there's nothing, like, grotesque about it. Yeah. It's just kind of like, this is what's happening for them right now. Mm-hmm. It, it was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few, like, art installations I've seen that I really liked. But I, did, I, I have no way of finding them or finding who, who did them. But there was one I remember from years ago, and it was, like, it was, like, I think it was, like, female hygiene products or something. But then, no. It was, like, female beauty standards, but the grotesque mm-hmm. type, but then using glitter. So it'd be, like, a sanitary pad, but the, the blood in it would be glitter instead. Or there'd be a oh, girl throwing up into a toilet, but the sick would be glitter instead. And it was this idea of, like, trying to glorify the human the, the female experience oh, in a really cool. weird way and there was another one i saw really recently i can't remember who did it. i really want to find the, the installation again because i want to read about it and somebody wanted to basically capture the image of the female orgasm amazing so there's it's for every woman that they pictured it's just her face <laughs> there's nothing like sexual <laughs> about it really other than what's happening but there's like four pictures and the first one is during i think the, mm-hmm. the second one is wait let me think no the first one is before the second one is like during what she's like masturbating the third one is her climaxing and then the fourth one is like immediately after and it's a really interesting because if you like take away kind of the the giddiness and kind of childish humor about what's happening mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see, A, how all the pictures differ completely from, like, person to person. And also within mm-hmm. the, the pictures as well. The point where you get to the last picture, and in every single last picture, the woman is kind of trying to avert the gaze, almost, of the oh, photographer. Wow. And, but in a really kind of, I don't know, like, shy way. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really, like, if you can find it, please let me know, because it's really, really cool that that they did that because it was to kind of just remove the silliness about it if you know what I mean and it was like this is what mm. happened and it's, it's yeah that's what I anyway. saw <laughs> it was an exhibition in Vienna about it was feminism in like the 70s Whoa. and I can't remember how it fit into the exhibition yeah. but it was just it was people standing on a bus but they removed the bus so it was just people standing weirdly around in a group but you didn't know until you read it and it was like, this was this is meant to be on a bus. And it's kind oh. of that. It's like he's removing the thing and then it's put it. Yeah. It's like see the collection until you of know people what it is. without 
the mm-hmm. cause. Oh, I like that. Oh, anyway, very off topic. Sort of <laughs> off topic. So, Sybil did note that women do have a slight advantage when it comes to photography in the way that they're trusted more. So, when taking pictures of women yeah. and children and taking pictures in like conservative countries in the Middle East, that they did have the slight advantage mm-hmm. with trust. But it was also noted like um, there was a woman that came forward at the exhibition who did know, her, whose name was Anna Maria Antoinette uh, Diodario, who did note that when she was in traffic in northern India, uh, she was there for a photography shoot, that her hair was yanked back by men because they wanted to paint her face. And because of that, she was so kind of... I think she just felt unsafe. I don't want to say scared, but she just felt unsafe and unnerved. It meant that she, she didn't do her job properly because she didn't want to kind of go out and to find these pictures that she'd been sent there to do. So she so it ended yeah. up hindering her ability to do her job. And then it was also noted that like in 2014 there was a German photographer who was called Anna Nedinghaus, I think her name is, uh, who was shot in Afghanistan. And then in the same year there was a French photographer who was called Camille Lepage, wait, Le, Lepage I think her name is, who was murdered in mm-hmm. Central, Central Africa Republic. So it's like... Whoa. is more than just like oh women are being paid as much or women are just being kind of excluded there's this genuine like almost it's unsafe they're treated differently yeah. yeah like if it was a man they might not be murdered exactly and it's thing but it's, not as like simple as that exactly and it's hard because i guess photography very often people are trying to go to these exotic places to take these pictures and bring them back to kind mm-hmm. of so we understand, and yet if the very thing they're trying to photograph is unsafe for them, they they can't, yeah. there's that still, like, disjoint of trying to do their work. So, but that was kind of noted. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the, the there was noted that, like, photography itself does still have those issues of just men being paid more. I think Sybil herself kind of noted that she saw this trend in the way that both men and women's kind of pay rises as they get older and get more famous. And mm-hmm. then it will, and then for men, it kind of plateaus, if you know what I mean, once they get to like, I think she said like 35, but for women, it then starts mm-hmm. decreasing. And it's not necessarily like they're producing less. It's just the money they're being paid for it is less. Ugh. Which. My goodness, yeah. people. And it's, I mean, photography isn't something you feel, I don't know, that, that you think should have an age on it, if you know what I mean. Because it's obviously this massive issue mm. with actresses, I know, that is kind of being highlighted. That for, for actresses, they get to a certain age and then you can probably only name like five actresses over the age of 50 who are mm-hmm. still kind of being cast for those lead roles and, and things like that. Whereas yeah. men, they get to this point and it just continues to go because there's this idea of like the silver fox. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, literally. Like it's... And yet... With photography, you wouldn't think that would exist because you're behind the lens, mm. if you know what I mean. And yet it still does, which is ridiculous. <sighs> yeah. Um, and there's also obviously... It's so oh. weird, though. Because, I mean, it's kind of like painting, but it's like, it's a camera. And it's yeah. just... There's, there's like, the person in the in between the camera who who decides, like who's going to be taking the picture and what of. And 
but it's it doesn't make sense yeah and it's mm. it's a perspective that you just completely ignore which i i i never understand like i I, I, I mean, not that I understand sexism in any way, but <laughs> it always seemed to be like this thing that I was like, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to hear what other people are saying, especially like a whole gender yeah. of people. But it's the same with anything. It's like they used to make it so that, you know, black people couldn't have the, you know, have a voice and things like that. I just, I've never understood why there's this entire voice of people you just want to emit other than the idea of fear that that they're gonna say something which represents you badly, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. Because I, because mm, I feel like if you had like a gender neutral kind of name, and they just said, "Oh, we're gonna get this photographer," then they'd potentially like hire you just because they think, "Oh, they're a man." Yeah. Oh, for you. Yeah. Which is is ridiculous. And it's just like, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's it's like they did that they study, didn't they? Where they gave a load of they they created resumes and they sent them to companies, and then they would change the name on the resume, and they then mm. send that back. So the the entire thing would be the same or the CV. The entire mm-hmm. thing would be the same except from the name at the top, and they were just looking at basically do people have an instinct in instinctive racism and gender bias, you know, in them. Mm-hmm. And they, they found that that, that that does exist with, with both, with gender yeah. and race, that there is this, this bias. And it's, it's just, it's complete bullshit, to be quite frank. Yeah. But there you go. Um, and yeah, the last kind of point is, that, yeah, there's a stereotype as well over photography in that, you know, men are going to, you know, take those bold shots. They're going to be adventurous and get them, whereas women should only... And this is in quotes, should only photograph pretty maternal things like weddings, children and families. Mm. Yeah, which is irritating. Irritating as well Very. because, the, so where I work, so I work at a, at a, a venue obviously where, where weddings happen mm-hmm. and the majority of the photographers, I don't know, they are still men. So despite the fact that obviously you have this kind of idea that, ah, it's women that should be uh, photographing weddings and things like that, the photographers are still men. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's bad. And I know that's on a very, very small scale, but it's still, yeah. But regarding, disregarding all that sadness (laughs) about it all. (laughs) <laughs> there's still she's still working still she, there's uh so her instagram her instagram is sibism which is c-y-b-i-s-m we will tag it we will tag it and we will also tag the agender um instagram yes. itself because honestly the pictures on there are fantastic um i'm gonna have to follow it because yeah it. and I, from what I could tell, because I clicked on a few to kind of have a look at a few, because originally I was just going to, I found the Agenda website and I was going to use a photographer of that to kind of focus on, mm-hmm. but there's just very little in- information about them. So, but I would still recommend going to have a look because I think almost every picture is by someone different and they're all tagged and it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'd recommend oh. going to, to have a have a look. But yeah, then that is the mm. continuously fantastic Sybil Malinowski. Wow. Thank you. And really, please, really I found good. someone you didn't know. <laughs> I'm not good with, like, newer photographers because there's just so many of them. Yeah. I suppose... You kind of yeah. lose, like, track. 
I suppose as well, like, anybody can be a photographer, if you know what I mean. It's like, I've seen pictures yeah. that are taken by, um, like, some of my friends, if you know what I mean, and, and put online, mm-hmm. and they're fantastic, like, to me. So, I guess it's, it's harder because it's so accessible, if you know what I mean. Because it... Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, it used to be that only certain people used to be able to have the money to, to take the photographs. Yes, definitely. So... But it's good that it's more accessible. Yes, 100%. And that, yeah, you don't have to have money to do it. And I'm all for ways of expressing yourself that you don't need money to do because yeah. it's too far, too long been dominated by money. So. Yes. But then there is the argument, but that in abundance, like, something's lost. But that's, um, you know, I, I, doesn't does matter. Yeah, I guess, in, I don't know. In my experience, and I'm going to think about books kind of particularly because obviously that's probably what I consume the most of but it's like Mm -hmm. years and years and years ago they would have had like okay a select few people who were writing and who could write and had the money for it yeah and again you're only getting that one perspective whereas now Mm -hmm. there are so many people writing that you can find what you enjoy to kind of read yes and then you can just read that if you know what I mean which is nicer than having to to trundle through things simply because it was the only thing to read. Yeah, definitely. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a thing you want to recommend this week? Ooh, I guess. I mean, you can look at the pictures yes. that we've talked about yes. of the people. But also, Anne Leibovitz, her photo- photos are pretty great. Because mm-hmm. she, she does a lot of work with uh, celebrities and because I watched her masterclass that she has. Oh, yes. And um, a lot, she talks about how a lot of the photos were kind of accidental. There's like one of Whoopi Goldberg in um, a milk bath, and literally, like, Whoopi Goldberg like slips, and that's the photo of her slipping, and that's like the iconic photo. Amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> that's what I recommend. Oh, cool, yeah. Do you have anything? I don't know. I kind of... I feel like I've dominated it for the past few weeks with things to recommend. So <laughs> I'm going to hold off for for this week. But yeah. And I'm going to trundle through the Agender um, Instagram because there's just so pretty pictures. And that's yeah. this week. <laughs> yes. And Thank you for listening. Yes. And we shall see you next week. Well, we shall speak to you next week. Au revoir. Au revoir. I'll be the same. Goodbye. Bye.